So all week long, when I would find myself in certain social and or societal situations, I made the decision to imagine how the diseased mind of Herbert Mullen would have possibly experienced them. The constant nagging of voices, originating from sources unseen, each with its own devilish scheme in the guise of intended goodwill, each screaming their plans with raw vocal cords hoping to drown out the countless others. Some familiar voices and tones drift to the forefront with demands to prove loyalty and love. But the price to be paid, at least to me, is too astronomical to bear. What I've taken away from this experience is that his existence would have had to have been not only existentially terrifying, but heartbreakingly lonely. With nowhere to go and no one to turn to, except for the voices... The voices still constantly jockeying for front-runner and ultimate control. All this runs over and over in my head. And all I wanted was to get a steak quesadilla. Should probably not go back to that specific Taco Bell again. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're Hopefully everybody's doing really well in their their lives and in their their. Um, I mean, I guess that's all anybody really has. So hopefully everyone is doing well in life today. Indeed, that's right. We only cater to the most rich and famous and fabulous. If you're not one of those three, or you know what, if you're not at least two of those three, turn off the fucking podcast right now. How dare you! Oh, and still, only if you're stuck in traffic or on the toilet, remember? We're just going to whittle it down to where there's just one possible person on the planet (laughs) that could be listening to us that follows our rules. It'll happen sooner or later. It'll happen sooner or later. But still doesn't email us. Yes, and you also have to be a man named Leslie. Goodness. Now that is quite the criteria fucking... Uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Uh, bombshell there. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little leeway. I'm going to say you can either be a man named Leslie or a man named Stacy. Both technically man names. Just saying. So, Starting a bottleneck it. Hey, Chris, uh, w- uh, what time is it where you are? Uh, 4.30. 4.30 in the afternoon? It's not late. It's just early. early. Oh, oh, okay. We were doing the spin doctors thing, because uh, <laughs> I was I was genuinely shocked there for a second that it was four thirty where you were. Um, now, hang on. It's uh, it's actually time to get ill. 
Oh. That's what my phone says. See, I was going to say, it's time to go crazy. Little snap-a-doodles. On this week's random motherfucking episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. Random, you say? How, what's what's random about UFOs, conspiracies, and murders? I I ask you, sir. Um, I mean nothing. But That's right. But we're cool, awesome guys that just we're in the know. And uh, Melissa doesn't agree with that cool, awesome guy thing right now. She's just picking at her nails and just looking all self-important and hot over there, flipping me off like I don't see her. Mm-hmm. She knows she's never been a cool, awesome guy before. Yeah, what Chris said. He said, you've never been a cool, awesome guy before. How would you even know? <laughs> Ooh, that actually kind of stung. She said, well, neither have you. <laughs> I, that shall not go excused. I, well, I'm pretty sure she, she meant me, not you. Um, she, she's always talking about how cool and awesome Chris is. And how she can't wait to pay you to spank our child. It's so weird. It's just like the weirdest weird. Well. Mm. At least two of us are on the right page. Or the same page, I should say. That's right. Page 32. Which is where... It may be the left page. I don't know. That's where I, I hid the secret to everlasting life. Of nymph? Yeah, it's in the Bible. It's, uh, it's... You, of manna? You talk, uh, you gotta, uh, convert to Catholicism, and you have to give your, your, your life and money to the church, and then, um, then after you've led a shitty pauper's life here on, uh, on, on Earth, then you get everlasting life in paradise, Chris. Is that right? So saith the Kybalion. <laughs> the Kybalion said nothing of the sort. However, <laughs> maybe that cereal box or that fucking watchtower flyer pamphlet you found at the bus station or some shit, maybe that is what you're thinking of. God, but, uh, Jehovah's Witness is the is the most jippiest fucking religion ever. It's so sad. You can't have birthdays. You can't celebrate shit. And there's only like a thousand of them in all of history that are going to get into heaven anyway. Right? (laughs) And they're littering motherfuckers. Man. Making me think my package is at the house. I'm in the bathroom taking a poop and now you're sitting there talking about Jesus. Where's my shit from Amazon, motherfucker? No, I've never, like, I've never heard of a rule of your religion being that you have to litter the planet with your fucking garbage. Well, I mean, regardless I think, of the fact that you're getting some fucking dipshit to pay for that, uh, or, or excuse me, all of the dipshits to pay for that, um, I think that's more of a of a, a lazy asshole feature and not like a not you know a thing that it was it was intended to to come with. You know, I don't think in in their little weird version of the already very strange Bible, I don't think it says and. Thou shalt throweth thine garbage in the street. <laughs> thou shalt litter the world with thy refuse. And thou shalt <laughs> knock on doors before it is socially acceptable. I don't know. I don't know. I've never read their version of um, 
of the good book. So, have you ever know. have it you ever read any that. version of the good book? Hey, I know enough. I I know a guy. Um, I have not. <laughs> I have not. I, I think maybe I have only read like five books in their entirety in my entire life. Um, I mean that's honestly not shocking. Fuck's that supposed to mean? I mean, it's it's. I'm not calling don't you dumb or anything. I'm just saying that you're, don't you just me. don't seem like a reader. I will come over there. I mean, I've I've on my own volition read maybe three books my whole life, like books that I didn't have to read for fucking school and shit. Where I was right, like, right, right, right. Okay, that's neat. Yeah, maybe three. So don't feel bad. Yeah. Well, three of the five of mine were at least Dragonlance books. Like I I read. <laughs> A whole series. <laughs> the first three. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I... I mean, I... Anyway. <laughs> I can't tell you how long that took me. It probably took me, like, two or three years to read those books. But, you know, I would, like, read, like, a like a chapter, or like, half a chapter when I'm outside smoking a bowl or something. Well, and, when, when you have to sound out all the words before you can say them... It's, hey. It's... It, what... Uh, fuck you I read as fast as the conversation would generally take I mean that makes sense you want to make the dialogue sound like natural dialogue in your head so that's how you have to read it to yourself I get that completely Absolutely. hence the imagination I don't know how you have any imagination if you're speed reading like that doesn't make sense to me I don't know Melissa can read a, a, a 600 page book in like a night and a half and I'm just like how do you even enjoy it that way Yeah, and she's like well the same way I enjoy our two minute long sex oh how how, why like why you gotta take jokes she's she's honestly never said that to me but she is laughing her ass off right now at the fact that I said it Mm. god damn it I was like as as you were saying it it was formulating itself in my brain and it was about to slip out but you just fucking you just like a like a run on sentence you just kept going and fucked the whole thing up yep that's what she said too um so on tonight's very special Jason's letting way too much slip episode it is <laughs> it is the second that's what she said the second coming of Herbert Mullen <clears throat> that's right the one-hit wonder from the 80s is back, and he's got a new hit, and it's not about a fast car and a bikini. It's about a bikini and a fast car. It goes, I'm Herbert Mullen, bikini, fast car. Oh, Peter. That's nasty. It's bad. So, <clears throat> and then, uh, but then we're going to go back to the 70s. We're going to say, uh, we're going to say it's like 1971. Two? 71 or two. Because I said you should probably look up the year before you start talking about this, and then I didn't. So, or not. So it's right around the sweet spot of seventy or seventy-one or seventy. Yeah, that's what the word "or" is for. God. Right. So where we yeah. left where we left off on a Mister Herbert Mullen is with his now fully blossomed schizophrenia. His, what, his paranoid schizophrenia. Nettie bar. Which is when you, you have 
like a, a bunch of voices in your head that are telling you to, to do shit, but you think that they're all telling you to do shit uh, to you. So you can't trust him. I don't know why he ever listened to him. Maybe he just thought he was a regular schizophrenic and only found out later Not that he should have been paranoid be trusted. About Not to be trusted. So what is the next step that we take with this? Um, it, it's just crazy. Uh, it's like an AIDS quilt, but it's a guy. Do you get me? No. You, you get what I'm Quarantine. saying? There's like little patches of everything that are all quilted together to make this duvet cover of a man named Herbert. Like Scott bathroom tissue or Downy? Or like, I mean, not Downy, but like, what, what's the quicker picker upper? Oh, oh, uh, Brawny? Quilted for her pleasure. Quilted for her pleasure. That's right. Oh, man, we are coming out with some quilted condoms for her pleasure. Yeah, yeah, girl. Yeah, Melissa doesn't like that idea. Um, <laughs> I know you like that. So the, ne- the next step for Mr. Mullen is to now uh, start acting on his uh, – well, not to start acting. Like he's not going to like join a theater troupe. But he's going to start acting. It's the only thing he hasn't done yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, bitch. hey, we don't know. Maybe he had a weird day one day. Fucking twat. <clears throat> so he's going to start to finally act on these uh, super violent impulses. And on he's these, had enough? Yeah. He's putting but, his proverbial foot down. Um... And then he's going to pick it up, and then he's going to put his other proverbial foot down. And then he's going to pick it up, and then he's going to put the other proverbial foot down. And that Wait, is what we call... Which one is his penis? That's what we call uh, preambulating. It's, oh. it's a, uh, he's he's going to start walking toward uh, his final goal, which, as of now, is hopefully a, uh, a giant white sombrero and a convincing Mexican accent. That's amazing. And you sure not one of those three feet is his penis? I mean... Are you sure? Who can be sure about anything ever, Chris? <laughs> That's true. So, on a, uh, a muggy, wet October morning, which was also Friday the 13th, Herbert Mullen had uh, happened across a baseball bat that was kept in his garage and decided to take it with him for a little drive. Uh, earlier in the week, he had been claiming that his dad had been sending him telepathic messages to kill. And I quote, If I didn't kill, it would bring shame to the family by showing cowardice. It was, it was kill or get out. You dishonor your family, Herbert. So... Herbie's dad was telepathically sending him the message, if you don't become a man and start murdering random people, you're going to have to find your own place to live. Hey, them Mullins has got a family, uh, you know, uh, lineage, history. That's that right. Says to, to, th- to think about, you know, like uh, if, if he's going to be a conscientious objector, 
and not go into the military, well then, he's got to do his part to continue the legacy of killing other people under the Mullen coat of arms, which is a poop emoji with a samurai sword. I know, right? I kind of like that. Yeah, me too. I'm kind of going to be rethinking the Rambo coat of arms. So as he drove along... You want it tattooed on your chest. As he drove along this this little windy road that, uh, you know, followed this this picturesque little river through the redwoods, he spotted a transient man walking on the side of the road all alone. Pre-op or post-op? Uh, both. After he passed him, <laughs> he pulled. He pulled his. <laughs> that his, must be a mess. <laughs> after he had passed the man up, he pulled his uh, his fifty-seven. God, son of a bitch! It wasn't that funny, Chris. Stop laughing so I can talk. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> No, you're damn right you will. <laughs> the, the, that is, the, that is the longest Chris laughter break I've ever had to take on this show. And I am I am at the same time like really proud and super annoyed. <laughs> well, allow me to explain. <coughs> Real quick. The reason that was so funny to me is because it immediately made me think about the the, the episode of Family Guy where they did the little you know the little clip off where he's I forget exactly what he said but the clip off was um, <clears throat> facts of life and uh, mm-hmm. and and Joe walks up to Mrs. What's her face and asks uh, if it's okay if, uh, if if her penis and her vagina touch and, and she goes what and she goes yeah yeah you know you know I don't, I don't know I don't know I just I just woke up this morning and. Uh, they were they were kind of together. I mean, I, I didn't know if that was okay. And she goes, hey, you you have both. <laughs> she goes, yeah, yeah. Doesn't everybody? She goes, no. <laughs> you know the way that lady talks. I, yes, yes, I do. And I, I no. really, I really think you need to work on that because I need to hear I need to hear you do that voice convincingly. <laughs> I want to think that she's in the room because uh, that's just going to bring me back. Oh, Tootie, whatever happened to you? Drugs, most likely. Um, <clears throat> So after, uh, after Mullen passes this uh, transient slash homeless man uh, uh, on the road, <laughs> he pulls his 58 Chevy station wagon over to the side and pops the hood, and he pretends to have a little bit of engine trouble. Well, when uh, this man walks up and offers to take a look, uh, this man, by the way, his name was Lawrence Whitey White. So, oh goodness! His name was Lawrence White, but people called him Whitey, um, not as like a racial slur kind of thing. He was just, you know. How do you know? I mean, okay, it could have been a racial slur kind of thing. I don't know, Chris. You're right. I didn't know his associates. I don't know his associates. I don't care to know his associates. No, they may be cool people, though. You know what? Albeit they could racist. be the coolest people, but they're still. Um, uh, homeless people from the seventies. So, that's true. Point taken. So, continue. When when Whitey stopped 
to uh, to take a look under the hood. Maybe he could help out with the engine stuff. You know, maybe he was hoping to get like a dollar or a sandwich out of it. Um, Mullen, Mullen, uh, you know, casually uh, walks up behind him and then uh, mercilessly bashes his fucking brains in with the baseball bat that he brought along. How did he know what kind of sandwich he wanted? Um, he wanted uh, a uh, he wa- well, see because yeah, I feel like he may have asked for the wrong kind of sandwich. He shouldn't have said, hey, you know what would be fun is if uh, if I fix your car, maybe you could buy me a sandwich. But before that, I would like you to make a new hole in the back of my head that I can eat it with. What if he asked for a hot dog for his butt? And that was Chris, no one ever has ever asked for a hot dog for their butt. Um... <clears throat> For their bun? For their butt. Um, Isn't that what you said? um, That you wanted a hot dog for your butt? For your bun. Like B-U-N. Oh. A dog for your bun. I thought you wanted to replace your butt with a hot dog. My goodness, Jason. I know. How silly of me. It's not even, like, it's not even scientifically possible. I mean, just because it's not scientifically possible doesn't mean that it's not theoretically possible, Chris. In some universe, some dimension. I mean, you most likely would not survive the operation, but the operation, <laughs> in theory, could be carried out uh, uh, without uh, without flaw, uh, aside from your uh, ceasing to exist on our mortal coil. There may be a whole planet of hot dog butts out there somewhere. Oh man, a whole planet of hot dog butts? Delicious. Delicious. I bet in the summertime it smells. Mm. I would finally become an ass eater. (laughs) Mm. Uh, That sounds like slackery to me. So after Whitey uh, expires from the severe cranial uh, batting practice, uh, Mullen then just... uh, pushed his lifeless body uh, down the side of the road and drove off. Wow. Mullen later said, and I quote, then the ball was rolling. Meaning, hey, that wasn't so hard to do. (sighs) Well, uh, Mr. Whitey White, uh, you know, he was an easy target and no one missed him. Between his stints in the drunk tank, uh, this 55-year-old homeless man spent his time, you know, sleeping under bridges and in the woods. Where but he had a nickname, though. Somebody liked him <clears throat> enough at some point. Unless, like we said before, it was racially charged. Then That's you know, true. So, let's, I mean, that's that's the story I'm getting here. Um, maybe the evidence right there. So, he he was basically a, uh, a, non, a non-human, a, a blank. A uh, he he was barely mentioned in the newspapers at all when his body was finally discovered days later. Uh, not a single family member or friend went to his funeral, and absolutely no one was in any kind of a rush to go out and find the person that killed him. The um, less dead. The less dead. It's a shame. Uh, Mullen had later claimed that uh, he thought that White looked like Jonah from the Bible, and... He was sending him, uh, well, the 
who he thought was Jonah from the Bible, was sending him a telepathic message saying, Hey, hey man, pick me up and throw me over the boat. Kill me so that others will be saved. You mean he looked like some douchebag artist's rendition of what they imagined a, a written character to look like? <laughs> um, God, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so, so hard. I, I I don't personally have any pictures of Whitey White. Um, no, I mean Jonah. I like <gasps> how the fuck would you know what Jonah looked like? You just oh, I, I just a, a a man with a beard. I'm guessing would be my best guess. What <laughs> he looked Middle Eastern for literally literally anyone in the Bible ever is just a man with a beard in my head. Yeah, see a man with a beard and sandals, which makes Mary Magdalene a whole lot less sexy. <laughs> when you really think about it. <sighs> so, now we move on to Moida and Number Do. Sweet. W- which I have entitled The Lady Too Cheap to Buy a Car. So, there's uh, like this renowned FBI guy uh, named John Douglas who used the figure of speech. If you want to understand the artist look at his work well Mullen uh, took that a bit far and thought to himself well if you want to understand the artist recreate his work so his mother had given him a uh, a biography on the artist Michelangelo um, the the Ninja Turtle that nobody liked Um, Mm -hmm. good luck with that Herb it's terrible uh, so after <clears throat> after reading me, this biography, um, apologies. It, 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 and the name of the biography is "The Agony and the Ecstasy." Mm. Nice. For some reason, I can't. They were nasty back in the day. I can't say the word ecstasy mm, without biting my lip and making that mm sound after it. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, so, so after reading this, uh, Herb had decided that. If he wanted to be a serious artist, he should do what the, the you know the famous Renaissance sculptor had done, which is uh, dissect a body. Opium. I mean, and oh. opium. Well, no, you know what? No, I'm not even going to let that joke slide. That just wasn't Herb's bag, man. You know, he said, "I mean, well, if he did it, then I should probably do that." So, because I mean, uh, what he you know found out was that. Uh, Michael, uh, and the, this is in quotes here from Herb. Michelangelo spent hours and hours secretly dissecting bodies so he could find out about the form of the human body for his painting and sculpture and stuff. That's why his works are so much better than anyone else's. It gave him insight others didn't have. <clears throat> well, Herb's mom had given him this book, hoping that uh, he would maybe be inspired to use art as an emotional outlet instead of uh, drugs and violence and such. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, her, 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 her intentions were pure. Her intentions were pure. <laughs> they just, mm. but what oh. it ended up inspiring was another uh, a brutal murder. Um, and, and by far, well, not by far, but mostly, it's it's absolutely the most grisly one that her ended up carrying out. Um, and as 
in a kind of a, a weird little twist here because he's always blaming his dad for fucking everything he ever did wrong for his psychic messages and shit. Well, in this one, he actually blames his mom for the killing, saying that she had given him the book as a hint to dissect someone. He says, I think she was trying to tell me what to do so I could have this insight as well. So, always, always. The, the unfortunate young lady's name was Mary Guilfoyle. She was running late for a job interview one day, so she did what way too many young ladies did in Santa Cruz at the time, despite all the fucking warnings about, and that is that she decided to hitchhike. Um, and as we all remember... Uh, it was the times, though. Edmund Kemper was cutting chicks heads off and having sex with their bodies at this exact time in this exact fucking city that's fucking crazy picking up hitchhikers that's (sighs) so crazy and the the funny thing is I wonder yeah I was gonna say that the funny thing is is that uh, where 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 Herb actually picks uh, Mary up at is literally blocks away from Edmund Kemper's duplex with his mother. Wow. Yeah. Ah, that's crazy. I wonder if they were, like, seeing newspaper articles of each other before either one of them was actually caught and being like, oh, I wonder who that is. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if, if, if Mullen was, like, if he would see, you know, newspaper articles about what, what Kemper was doing and thought to himself did i do that one hmm right right because one of them was schizophrenic the other one was just fucking asshole a psychopath but, yeah yeah but like at the same like but wait wait, wait, wait. this is california right mm-hmm. is this like where uh, beautiful santa cruz because i oh okay yeah, yeah yeah so i know right around that same time there was like four different dudes Operating in the L.A. Hollywood fucking like the Hillside Strangler and <clears throat> fucking there was like four of four. Well, like five I said in in uh, in our little. Uh, by the way, there we have a little thing going on right now. If you can tell us the specific thing that links uh, there, there's two very specific things other than time and place <laughs> that link together: Edmund Kemper, John Lindley Fraser, and Herbert Mullen. There are two very specific things that oh, are not see, the fact no. that they were killing people in Santa Cruz in the 70s. That everyone oh. knows. If you can tell us what that is at see no hear no speak no pod at gmail.com or S N H N S N P O D as in Dizzle for your nizzles uh, at gmail.com. If you and can, you may yeah. get a dick pic. Uh, turn. No, that's not what we're doing. Um, <laughs> what? We, we, we talked about I'm that. Doing. I don't think it's okay to just send unsolicited dick pics, Chris. What? They, you want them to buy them first? Yeah, I would appreciate if they bought them, yes. Oh, okay. Alright, well, I can't mean, that's, be, that's what the Patreon is. Can't, can't <laughs> just be giving it away for free and shit. But no, if you can, if you can tell us the very specific uh, one or both of the super fucking things that uh, connect all three of these guys, you will win a signed uh, original fucking my hand drew this with a pencil fucking drawing of our 
our original uh, logo. The one that was used to fucking do the goddamn logo that we don't even use anymore, but I still think it's neat. So, let us know. (laughs) But It's history. So, she knew what was happening with that. She knew that, uh, you know, girls were coming up headless and raped all over the fucking place. But when, you know, this this kind of kind of good looking but and you know kind of small dude fucking pulls up in his 58 Chevy station wagon uh she you know she she felt a little better uh she i guess she would think that this little doe-eyed little young dude behind the wheel didn't look like a, a monster that could fucking hurt her you know like fucking 69 Mm-hmm. Mongoloid <coughs> fucking Kemper. Exactly. Who was still a super pleasant dude. <laughs> which yeah, is so right. fucking weird. <laughs> uh, but, but with her in the car and, and she's, you know, relaxed and, and, and he's driving her supposedly to where she wants to go, he then pulls off into a, a little quiet side street and he pulls out his hunting knife and stabs her in the chest and in the back. Uh, she died okay. pretty much instantly. And her body wouldn't be found for quite a while. After dragging her body into uh, a little deserted, little safe little spot on off of this little hillside road he was on, he opened her up and he started to unravel her organs. He had thought he had thought forever that he could see inside people's heads, but now he wanted to actually see inside their body. And he doesn't really say a whole lot about what happens here because um, it's thought that he was kind of fucking grossed out by this. (laughs) Because it's it's the only time that he ever did this this, uh, dissection or autopsy on someone that he kills. Um, So... At least he didn't go all Richard Chase with it. Yeah, well... I mean, you never go full Richard Chase. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> ah. So <clears throat> we now, uh, we now, God, we step over that line to, to dude. Hmm? Real quick, I yeah. think we've like, I think we like, we have shot out like at least four good T-shirt ideas for this show in this one episode alone. <laughs> like I would totally sport a shirt that says you never go full of Richard Chase. <laughs> <laughs> so would I, Chris. So would I. I'll, yeah, I'll, I know I'll there's work... been a couple other ones too. I'll have to work on some art. <laughs> well, we'll 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 get something cool figured out. Um so now we go to his third victim. Um on November 2nd, which was All Souls Day. One of the, uh, the ho- uh, one of the yeah, holiest days in all of Catholicdom. That's right. Catholics are dumb. Um, but Mexicanos and uh, November third. Oh, is it second? No, it's third, I believe. Also for Haitian voodoo. Continue. Huh. You know that's quite the coinky dink. I think. Methinks. Yeah. So, on this holy of holy days. Mullen stumbles into a church in Los Gatos, which is Spanish for the Catos. Is it now? 
you know that joke killed in uh in 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 the test that we did today and <laughs> the focus group loved and it. you just stepping over it like that is just it's hurtful <laughs> is what it is um uh, well, i needed some place to rest my balls oh <laughs> um, he had he had been drinking, uh, and he decided to go to Saint Mary's Catholic Church to I quote, "Give me strength to never attempt to kill again." Uh-uh. Okay. He, I will say that he later claims that he carried his uh, his hunting knife into the church to protect himself. Ah. Uh. Um, Just in case God decided to strike him, huh? I mean, you never know when when uh, some robbers are going to jump out from behind the, the giant, really bumming you out crucifix and be like, give us all your money, you know? Um, or when your dad will telepathically fucking beam into your noodle and tell you to, you know, fucking... Be a man and kill someone already. Rape the fucking priest. So... Uh, when entering, Mullenhead uh, thought that the church was empty. But then he heard one, Father Henry Tomei, in one of the uh, confessional booths. So he was he dis- it with Jesus. So, uh, so, so Herbie had decided, and I quote, Well, if you, meaning the priest, are in here, I guess I should kill you. Huh? <laughs> So he then okay. tried to force the confessional door open. Uh, the, the the priest, hearing the commotion, decides to open the door and see what's going on. And that's oh, when yeah. Mullen attacked him with his hunting knife, stabbing him in the heart as he struggled, trapped in the tiny confines of the confessional. He broke the number one commandment in the house of the Lord, did he? I thought that is. I thought that oh. I thought the number one one was uh, that you're not supposed to want to fuck your neighbor's wife or something. No, coveting is not number one. Number one is thou shalt not kill, isn't it? I, I could have sworn. I think that was later added by, <laughs> by Hallmark just to sell cards, whatever. <laughs> um. So while this is happening, there was <clears throat> there was a uh, a parishioner that that walked in here in, you know, this fucking struggle and she screamed and fucking ran out. And all she caught was a, a slight glimpse of a young man dressed in black who was fighting with the priest. And that's it. <clears throat> so when this happens and this priest's body's found and, and the news starts coming out and everything, the community was fucking angry by this senseless murder of a 65 year old priest who was, by the way, also a uh, you know a, a well-known hero in the French Resistance movement in World War II. Oh shit! And since this was such a senseless killing in this house of the Lord, uh, mortalized in the house of the Lord. That's right. A lot of uh, locals and such uh, started, you know, theorizing that maybe this is the work of a of a satanic cult. Which oh Satan! It must be Satan. It's the seventies, man. Everything is Lord Satan. Jesus. Um, so Must you know, uh, all of the the community leaders and things like that attended his funeral, and so did many, 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 many police officers, hoping to catch a glimpse of this man dressed in black. 
but Herbie did not return. Um, he didn't go to the, he didn't go to the fucking funeral. He did, however, leave fingerprints there. Oh. So, um, I mean, I did. The fact that Mullen's third victim is a Catholic priest uh, fits in with his uh, his hatred toward organized religion. Well, uh, religion itself was fine with Mullen as long as it was his own fucking crazy one. Sometime in 1970, he he disrupted a Sunday morning. That's how I am. Yeah, I know. I know you are. You won't fucking shut up about it. <laughs> you, sir, will not convert. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll see who's going to win this one in the long run. Oh, Motherfucker, it's, you. It's certainly not going to be me. In 1970, he disrupted a Sunday morning uh, church service in a, Catholic, in a Catholic church, telling uh, the congregation there that, and I quote, what you are doing is wrong. Right. He then offered his own philosophy as an alternative, but he was physically well, sure. re- he was physically removed before he could, uh, you know, make any uh, uh, converts out of any of the. They, no one followed him out because he's. No, that's not very Christian. Like they should have let him go out like Jerry Maguire. Instead, they fucking bounced his ass. Huh? Who's coming with me, man? Yeah, uh, it's not very fucking Christian. He also. Uh, once had tried to persuade uh, the his fellow mental patients at one of the uh, psychiatric uh, hospitals he he was in in uh, uh, let's see San Luis Obis- Obispo. I should have left California, that. I should have just left that part out. Should have just left that part out. But to that he tried to get them to help him change, and I quote, the spiritual nature of the world. And of course, like we said in the last episode, uh, when he was living in San Francisco, uh, he would terrify his roommate by by having screaming matches with God. Um, and but what's funny about all this is his his right out hatred of religion would all would very often flip into a uh, a full on like yay Catholicism. He would carry around a Bible, talked about becoming a priest. And his mom later was fucking super shocked by his murder of the priest because she said uh, he'd been a deeply religious child. You know, altar boy in the Catholic religion, which might, mm, you know, maybe we got a little something that we don't know what's the something in a thing, you know? Diddlies? Uh, I wonder... Maybe diddling, yeah, maybe. I wonder how fucking, like ecstatic or or let's say relieved uh, uh, that roommate was when he later found out, you know, once he finally got busted and everything and, and the roommate saw like the news or the paper or whatever. <laughs> Indeed. It's like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Like he's thinking, oh Dude, man, I, have, was crazy. I had like the worst roommate. Like he would sit there and he would scream at God and stuff and, oh man, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. And then, holy shit, he, wow serial killer, huh? <laughs> well, those screaming matches, not so bad anymore, are they? <laughs> <laughs> Made it out easy. It, you know, knowing humans, he still probably bitched about it. He was like, you wouldn't believe what I had to live with. <laughs> Seriously. Hmm. 
So when he when he killed Father Tame, um, he seems to have he, he struck pretty close to what his like his core problems were, which were his own very stern Roman Catholic dad. Uh, Father Tame's murder really kind of got to him a lot more than any of his other victims, according to the his uh, his psychiatrist Donald Lund. In his typical pattern of kill and make up, Mullen now wanted to uh, now he wanted to make up with his father. He wanted to appease his father, so he tried to follow in his footsteps by joining the armed forces. The military seemed like the ideal solution. Um, he could indulge his violent urges and kill people, but he could do it with the full backing and blessing of the state. So, you know. He wanted to be a state-sanctioned salary man, fucking killer. He wanted yeah, to. That's not cliche. He wanted to to not only be appreciated for getting to murder people, but to get paid for it. So in November, hey, I mean, yeah, you got to find your niche, you know. I mean, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. When you when you do with when you do what you love, uh, you never work a day in your life. Um, not. Usually that means masturbating for me, but, I mean, if killing people is your thing, you know. Man, if only you could get paid for that. <laughs> in, no- in November, he applied to join the uh, the Coast Guard, uh, but then he was, he was uh, in December, he, he, was, de- he was denied uh, after failing the psychological exam. Uh, <laughs> He then lapsed into uh, he lapsed deep into his paranoia that it was all just a conspiracy against him. The, hi- the hippies, the war resistors, they were to blame. They had brainwashed him by giving him these drugs, and they had talked him into being a conscientious objector. See. So now, now the voices. Yuck. If it wasn't for the schizophrenia, I, I would I would be more pissed at this person for this kind of <clears throat> one eighty flip floppery. But you know, there are plenty of people that do this type of thing and and fucking have no schizophrenia to blame or fall right. Back they're on they're just self centered pricks. Yeah, fucking ridiculousness. Like, right. God damn it, man. And, and he does he does fully sound like that, too. He's like, uh, this couldn't be my fault. This has to be the psychic messages that my father are sending people to not play with me. You know? Nah, like, I meant more so along the lines of, like, you know, you did stuff, and this is how you actually felt at that time. So you did what you did, and then later on, you fucking feel bad about it, so you blame everybody else for putting you in those situations when you're just a fucking douchebag. You know, so... Like, doing drugs or, like, fucking, you know, protesting or whatever the fuck the kids were doing back in those days. You did it. You were 100% gung-ho about that shit, you fucking yeah, prick. Yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. You know, um, usually nowadays, usually it's the people that fucking are, like, born again. And now they're like, oh, my God, everything you're doing, or, you know, everything, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, is evil. And, you know, those right. guys I hate more than anything. But still, this whole... Hypocritic fucking flip floppery just upsets me. Hypocra hypocritic flip floppery. That I need on a bumper sticker ASAP. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so, um, MC Trismegistus in the house. 
mm-hmm. by the way. Dropping mics all over the place, fucking Butterfingers. Um, <laughs> so now the voices were back, and they were fucking back with a vengeance, and they they needed a sacrifice. So this Ooh. time, after being uh, you know turned down by the Coast Guard, he was going to go after the people who who actively ruined his life, who were, and I oh. quote, I quote this. The peace advocates and flower children had played tricks on my mind, and I had to reap vengeance. Fuck yeah. So he tar- Fuck yeah. How about you shave them all first? Just to humiliate <laughs> yeah. them. How about you just make them take a bath? That's like killing them. You just say, hey, all you hippies, get in this tub, and here's some soap and some shampoo and, and some scissors and some razors. Uh, look like normal people, uh, and... You know, stop it already. Just fucking stop. <laughs> no one I likes expect you. you to be. <sighs> so he targets his longtime friend and fellow drug user who goes by the name of John Hooper. Uh, and he, he brought his hunting knife to, to John's house. But when he gets there, uh, there were nine other people there. Yeah. So. So, John got people. That's right. John is a uh, a somewhat either well liked or uh, had a good drug a, good drugs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Mullen finally realized uh, that it might be time to upgrade uh, his method of killing instead of the knife. So he he went and he bought a gun at at the gun shop. He gave his occupation as a sketch artist. Which, technically not a lie. I mean, he's sketchy as fuck. He's so sketchy that I would say he has turned it into an art form. I'm going to need this AR-15 so that I, I I can like have a good representation of what I would wish to draw. That's right, that's right, that's right. It's not even for protection. I do need the, uh, the, the, the drum clip, though, with all the ammo that you can sell me. Um, that's right. I need to draw this <sighs> and of course he got he got the gun by lying about all of his, his stints in psychiatric hospitals and no way to check that shit back in that day <laughs> yeah I, know, I, I mean I'm sure there were uh, but, but then for some reason Lengthy. he decides to hold off a little while on uh, his, his murder spree of the, the flower children instead he then applies uh, to the Marine Corps. <laughs> oh, that mm-hmm. fucking genius! The uh, should have gone after the DMV instead. Uh, well, no, he 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 went uh, he went to get a job there, not to not to murder them. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's no, that's totally different. It's less exciting, but it, it gets real it's still froggy. really good. Um, the recruiting sergeant was uh, shockingly uh, sarcastically said reluctant. But after sure. after Mullins had you know kept badgering him and fucking bugging him, he he did finally recommend him for service. He wrote in his official report, uh, "Herbert William Mullen is an intelligent and highly motivated young man with an ultra zealous eagerness to enlist in the U.S. Marine Corps. Because of Herb's honest desire to improve his lot and climb above his peers, as it were, I submit that Herbert William Mullen can and most likely will." be a benefit to whichever unit he's assigned and a credit to his core. Wow. 
yeah, that's like a serious letter of fucking recommendation there. Uh, Mullen was super fucking excited that he had been accepted, and now he had a purpose. He had a mission, right? And then, and then on January fifteenth, nineteen seventy-three, he passed both the physical and psychiatric exams for the Marines. But he, they needed him to sign a document, and all this document said was that he acknowledges his arrest record just that you know everything's still fine we just need you to say yes i know that you know that i did these things and sign your name that's it well he refused so he was dismissed (laughs) the second that they said you passed the psychiatric exam if the next thing that he had to do was suck every dick on the planet he should have just done it because he he passed the hard part right <sighs> big time the hard part god damn so he said you know i'm not doing it and so they said well then you fucking can't stay here so he was uh predictably a bit devastated by this and he rationalized it i suppose by denouncing his parents for their failures in raising him not oh. him and his his choices and actions, but the way that they raised him. But by this time, his parents had had fucking enough of Herb and told him that he had to move out of their house. So on January 19th, Herb Mullen found a shabby apartment near the beach where he sat all alone, where his resist- resentments really start fucking festering, and the voices in his brain that are urging him to kill get louder and louder he decides to kill and I quote from him the most important peace advocate and this person this person was who we spoke about last episode uh, Glenda the Good Witch Jim Gynera his high school pot dealer (sighs) dumbass (sighs) The, the title so of this the title of this next murder I uh I, I, I made Who's Hip Now Motherfucker <laughs> Um So <laughs> Um In in his weird uh you know uh, diseased brain uh he he you know fully believed that Jim Gunnar rep- represented everything that had fucked his life up. Uh, Gunnera had given him the drugs that caused his brain to malfunction. He had told him about the peace movement, which made all of society hate him, and he even tricked him out of buying land. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Mullen, you know, being alone in this house, decided that Gynera had intentionally duped him to fuck his life over, you know? Um, so on January 25th, 1973... Mullen drove to a, uh, a shanty area that's uh, hidden away in the mountains on a muddy road, muddy road near the, uh, the famous mystery spot, which, of course, is a popular Santa Cruz tourist trap. I'm sure it is. So he's, he's just standing out there soaking, just getting soaked by the rain, and he waited for... A lady named Kathy Francis to finally come to the door of the wooden shack that she shared with her husband Bob 
who uh, was out at the time, and her two children, nine-year-old David and four-year-old Damon. When Mullen asked to see Jim, Kathy told him that uh, Jim and his wife had moved to Western Avenue, which was further out in town. Mullen thanked her, and he left. And he made his way to Western Avenue to see Jim. And when Jim Ganera let the casual acquaintance that he kind of knew from selling pot to into his house, uh, Mullen then cried, You're clap-trapping me! And he the fuck does that mean? I, I don't rightly know for sure, Chris. I don't. I don't. I don't rightly know, and I don't know why you expect me to rightly know. Uh, there's got to be a reason for it, but it's not coming to me right no. now. So he shot Jim as he tried to escape. Jim's wounded, and he ends up dragging himself upstairs <laughs> where his wife was taking a bath. Because if I got to go down, you're going down with me. Uh, so Mullen followed him up the stairs and he shot them both in the head and then with his with his hunting knife he stabbed him he stabbed both of them to the point of uh, just far past overkill the Ganeros would be discovered later that day by Joan's mom who was babysitting their infant daughter it sucks and then what follows that is um, a decision that is almost, it almost seems uh, logical and or intentional. Like if you had done something stupid, you would do this to fix it. He goes back to the mystery spot road house and knocks on the door and Kathy Francis answers. Ah. <sighs> She was a, poten- a potential witness, you know, fucking someone was here asking for him, and this is what he looked like and such, you know? Um, right. And he, he, he was terrified of going to jail now. Like, he knew the fucked up shit he was doing was not legal, but he thought he had to do it. But he was still right. terrified of going to jail. So he parks his sta- station wagon uh, down the road so it wouldn't get stuck in the mud because, like I said, it was raining like shit. And then he shoved the cabin door open and just starts fucking shooting. He shoots Kathy in the chest and head. And then he killed her two boys as they played Chinese checkers on their bunk bed. Then in a rage, he stabbed all three, even though they were obviously already dead. But to the but to the local authorities, this fucking massacre looked like uh, what they called a, a drug burn. You know, it looked like uh, well, both Bob Francis, who was Kat, Kathy's husband that was out, and Jim Gynera were fucking known pot dealers. And after Bob Francis was found uh, and, and cleared as a suspect, uh, the cops asked him to come up with a list of anybody that they could fucking look at. And he came out with a super long list of drug dealers, rivals, fucking, you know, misfits and creeps and shit. But her Mullen wasn't anywhere on this list. In fact... because yeah, he was a random nut bar. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the, the last time that Jim Ganera had even seen Mullen was in the summer of 71, so two years earlier. And in this visit, uh, Mullen had done ten hits of acid. <laughs> Jeez. That's a lot. 
Um, God damn, especially for back in the day acid. That's what Melissa said, especially for back in the day acid. (laughs) And then uh, a few months after that, Mullen had sent Gynera a a letter in the mail asking him who he was going to vote for in the upcoming November elections. And uh, Jim and Bob just had a good laugh at it and didn't fucking have a second thought about fucking Herb at all. Um, Wow. So, like I said, during this time... Uh, this is when Edmund Kemper was out being a monster. This is the same time period where John Lindley Frazier fucking wiped out the Yoda family and a secretary. Um, you know, so female hitchhikers begin vanishing in April of 72. Uh, some had... By the bushel. Some had been... By the bushel. Some had been found decapitated. We know who was responsible for those. And on February 5th, 1973, Alice Liu and Rosalind Thorpe disappeared. We remember those two. The next day, a 79-year-old widow was found raped and strangled to death in her bathtub. And before the month was over, another six victims would eventually be discovered. And, like, hitchhikers, even if not being murdered, were being raped in mass, basically. Sweet. So a few days... A few days after the, the the Lou and Thorpe disappearances, uh, <laughs> uh, Gilfoyles, uh, uh, right? Gilfoyle, <laughs> Chris. What? What about Gil- it? That's the name, right? Gilfoyle. Gilfoyle, yes. All right, Gilf- Gilfoyle. I didn't realize that was a question. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, I. It's such. It's a weird spelling. Uh, her skeleton was uh, discovered a few days after Lewin Thorpe's disappearance on February 11th. That poor broad. Uh, earlier, uh, Cynthia Shaw's body parts had been found, strewn along the coast, and Marianne Pesci's head was discovered in the Loma Prieta Mountains. God damn, California was active. And you know, the, the fucked up thing is, is st- still, college women continued to hitchhike, insisting that it was a lifestyle, man. A lifestyle to be fucking uh. corrupt. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is for yeah. It is a <laughs> lifestyle to be fucking broke. Are you, you're right about that. Jesus. So now but being dumb and broke is 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 a choice. So now we transfer uh, all magic type to. Henry Cowell State Park where the Card Brothers had built a temporary campsite out of plastic sheets and spare wood. They were pretty far out from the Rangers route because they were they, playing fort? They were playing fort and house and they were trying to live there. They chose a spot called the Garden of Eden and on February 10th the four teenagers who lived in it um uh, they weren't gonna anymore. <laughs> hey, chihuahuas. Uh, Mullen had discovered this il- little illegal campsite when he was just wandering around the woods. You know, like one does. Mm-hmm. Um, the four boys who were Brian Scott Card, David Oliker, Rober Specter, and Mark 
Deribilibus. Fuck me. That is not a cool last name. Like no. the other kids was. Uh, okay, and the the third guy is Robber. R O B E R. Robert. That's his first name. No, there's no accent. That's Robber. Robber. <laughs> Robber Specter. That's lazy. Specter Robber. Specter's a cool last name. Uh, let's see. Let's see if we can figure out this uh, this last guy's last name. D R E I B E L B I S. Drebblebis. 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 Anyway. Yeah, that's not cool. They had uh, they and they were open arms invited Mullen in to like I guess chill and shit, but Mullen wasn't really gonna have that. He instead had demanded that the boys pack their fucking shit up and leave because they were defacing government property. <laughs> and really, so what, why he was so angry was that, remember, in the last episode when we talked about um, how Mullen was kind of hassled by the state park guy and when he was reaching for his fucking his knife, yep, yep. so on and so forth. So he's like, I don't think it's fair that these teenagers can do this shit and I can't, you know? Oh, fuck <laughs> So the the boys seeing this this angry little man just um just they laughed at him um because yes, fuck yeah. you dude um but as they argued with him uh Mullen later said I decided to kill him and asked them telepathically if I could they all yeah. answered yes they were all in a sitting position and it was all over in a few seconds Wow. <sighs> Fucking wow. Oh, man. God this damn it. Uh, he, he meant it literally that they asked for it, but prosecutors later took it as proof of his hatred for, uh, you know, <laughs> renegade campers, hippies, flower children, uh, basically deviants of the counterculture in general. Um, had he ever really asked for the victim's permission, um, it's, I mean... I'm guessing not a whole lot of people would be like, yeah, I, I could do that. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to do tomorrow. So, um, uh, yeah, go for it. It's Nutty Bar. Uh, this scene of absolute fucking carnage was discovered a week later by the brother of one of the victims. Um, <laughs> one of the teenagers was shot, tr- was shot trying to claw his way through the plastic walls to escape. They were trapped, and he viciously shot them one by one. And when he was finished, he took their rifle and $20. Because, you know, when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Yeah, I mean, for his troubles and stuff, I guess. God damn it. Um, So. There's no slouch, I guess. We now get to what will be the final murder in this odyssey that I have taken you all on. The title of this murder is One More Time and then in parentheses I didn't know how much I loved you. One more time I didn't know how much I love you. Yeah, baby, that joke was for you. It sounds nasty. Thanks for paying attention to that joke, baby, and giving me kind of a smile. Um, On February 12th, um, trap shooters had finally found uh, 
uh, Mary uh, uh, Gilfoyle's remains. And again, the police are like, please, stop hitchhiking. Stop it. Stop it. It's like playing Russian roulette. Stop getting in strangers' cars. Um, but, you know, even though hopefully someone was listening to that, uh, it would, it wouldn't help. It wouldn't help the person that, that, that meets Mr. Mullen the very next day. The very next day? The, the day after they find Mary Gilfoyle's remains. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So on February 13th, uh, Mullen had been planning to bring some firewood to his parents' house. But on his way there, a telepathic message came from his father, uh, which said, and I quote, <laughs> don't deliver a stick of wood until you kill somebody. <laughs> it's, it's like fucking Zordon. With the, it's with it's the fucking... Goddamn power it is crazy. Uh, the voice suggested Uncle Enos, but when Herb resisted, the voice wasn't as particular and said, just kill somebody... I mean, anybody, really. Just fucking kill somebody. I don't know who Uncle Enos is, but he is the luckiest man with the coolest name I've ever heard. He is very lucky, like that roommate. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he didn't even have to listen to him screaming at God. All right. So Mullen uh, is is driving his car, and um, he passes by Fred Perez. Fred Perez is working out in his driveway in in his... you know his little garden outside it's kind of foggy out in the morning um and uh mullen calmly pulls his car over gets out with his rifle he steadies the rifle on the hood of his car and he shoots the retired prize fighter once in the heart and he dies instantly damn so from a distance, Mullen, Mullen calmly picks up his rifle, gets back in his car. He sits quietly for a second, and uh, this wasn't just his rifle. It was the rifle he had taken from the campsite a few days earlier. Right, right. He then backed up and slowly drove away. <laughs> Damn. Well, so, that happens. So the funny thing is, you know, if... if the the camper massacre was his uh his getting back at the 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 hippies the the, the flower children um his 13th and final victim was oddly enough <laughs> someone who he really kind of wanted to be um he 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 goes on to say uh he was he was someone i respected although he didn't know him at all he had no exp- he had zero explanation for why he stopped to shoot perez uh, the prosecution in his trial would later argue that it was a uh, a come-catch-me crime and that he was ready to call it quits and he wanted to be caught. But this time there were witnesses. Uh, neighbors heard, heard the shot um, and caught a glimpse of his car. He was headed toward Felton, his Chevy station wagon filled with the firewood for his parents' house with the rifle in the front seat covered by a paper bag. A cop pulled him over, completely alone without backup, and arrested him. Mullen didn't resist at all. But he wouldn't speak a word about what he had done, either. 
this is where my recording cuts off because yay podcasting so i will now turn it over to the illustrious chris trismegistus to send us off and only the the bumbling just take it away chris Ah, okay then. Well, I guess I get to give the outro now. My moment to shine like a polished turd. Oh, I'm gonna milk you for all you're worth, because I know you hate your nipples being played with, you fucking silly hooker. In any case, in any case... Uh, yeah, so, fuck you guys, but I I love you guys, and Jason's an asshole, and, um, pretty soon, I am, uh, I mean, I'm going to try to, 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 to get something down, because it's time for another weird episode, or an episode about something weird, um, so I'm gonna try to, uh, I'm gonna try to work something out. Uh, but until then, you guys can just fucking wait and, uh, join us in the meantime, continually for more exciting, riveting, as Jason used to say, that he doesn't say anymore, uh, and sometimes squishy episode of Jeff's Mama's See No, Hear No, Speak No. <laughs> I said Jason's part too. The UFOs, the conspiracies, and the murders. <laughs> Countdown. Tres. Dos. Uno. Stop. When your strange faces come out of the rain. When you're strange. Oh, no one remembers your name. What is it? When you're strange. Chicken teats on a sandy beach? That's that's uh that's a little that's a little strange, don't you think? What do you I mean not nude ones, no. Absolutely not. <laughs>